Voice at CES is an official event within the greater CES program, where the world's top brand leaders will share insights about how they are engaging customers through voice-enabled devices in our homes, cars, hotels, and more. To learn more about how you can be a sponsor, speaker, or attend Voice at CES, visit voicesummit.ai slash CES. That's voicesummit.ai slash CES. On today's episode, you'll hear one of the top leaders in voice and the creator of voicebot.ai, Brett Kinsella. You'll hear him talk about how he started VoiceBot, why businesses need to be considering voice now, and how SEO for voice is working now and will work in the future. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your co-host, Carrie Roberts, and I'm here today with an intelligent, kind, and humble person who I've had the pleasure of meeting a few times and who is also one of the top voice leaders, Mr. Brett Kinsella. Welcome, Brett. Thank you for being here. Carrie, thanks for having me. I will have to say that I've never been introduced quite that way before. I'm definitely humbled by that intro. Well, it's very true. I think, you know, people know you so well, and I'm always amazed at just how composed you are and how kind you are in talking to everyone at all the events you attend. So I appreciate your time in person and today. Very good. Hey, happy to do it. So now you are known as one of the top leaders in the voice tech space in a huge part due to your VoiceBot publication. But let's go back for a moment. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what made you decide in 2016 to start VoiceBot? Well, I'd been working in voice since 2013. We were working together with a client of mine. We were working on voice on mobile for a few different applications. So I was familiar with the space. This predated Alexa. And I've worked on a number of new, you know, think about it in terms of technology platform shifts, the web, mobile, social, and different points. I've tended in my career to have been working on the new technology. And when I was working on voice, we were doing some research around what was going on with Alexa, you know, the thought that Google might come out with something at that point, Siri kind of being behind. And frankly, there wasn't a lot of good data out there. So I was doing some research. I put some stuff together. Some people asked me to share it because I'd written an article. They said, where'd you get all that data? And it was very hard to find this in 2015 and 16. So I just threw up a website. And that was something I knew how to do. I could do that pretty quickly. And I thought maybe I would just blog about it. What I didn't realize is how quickly the market would move. I thought it was important. When I was doing the research, I recognized a lot of similarities to something I'd been doing in the 1990s around the rise of the web, particularly on the business-to-business side. And I said, oh, well, there's going to be need for people to have information in this space. And then the whole thing has sort of evolved after that. We published, and it's going to be just two years now, or three years now this month, And there was an insatiable desire for information in this space. And so we've always tried to take a very thoughtful approach to educate the market, to give a voice to the people who are in the market, to share what they're doing, because that was absent. If you weren't a big brand already doing something with a device, you couldn't get any airtime. You couldn't tell your story. And we thought that that was really important for the community, that the real innovators, the people who were coming up who were creating the new technologies around this space, needed to be able to share their story because that was going to be educational for everyone. And why do you think the interest in voice technology has changed and is growing so much? Well, first and foremost, it's because there's a lot of consumer use and adoption. 
And there's nothing like consumer adoption to drive interest. So we can contrast this to like AR, VR, which has been really of great interest to technology companies and the media for several years, but we really haven't seen a lot of consumer adoption in part because the applications haven't been great. So there's been some niche things that have taken off, but it hasn't been a broad-based technology. And that's really what we think about when we think about platform shifts. Whereas I think of AR is a feature on top of mobile and maybe some other modalities. VR could be a platform, but it's still got a ways to go to get there. You know, if you look at voice, it really is a platform. And it's really interesting because some people get confused about this because voice is both a feature of other platforms. And that's where you think of like voice navigation. But it's also a platform unto itself because it is the front end of a new interaction methodology in terms of a UI, but also ties you in to the rise of artificial intelligence and how that's providing new ways for us to access information. And particularly, the types of information we can access with AI is very different than what we would have accessed in the past, much more complex. So this idea that we might have a complex input, a query, which is really hard to type in, but really easy to say, and then being able to have the system understand that and then look for the best answer. Now, as we're talking about this with voice technology growing and it's influencing the business world quite a bit, can you give us some of your top reasons why businesses need to be thinking about voice? Well, no business wants to miss a platform shift. And there are definitely disadvantages to being late to a platform shift because what happens is when we shift from to the web, so the first really digital consumer interactions, or we went to mobile when we had on-the-go computing and and personalized always-with-you computing, the people who are there early actually have significant advantages for a number of reasons. One, they learn. The second, they're most likely to be there when the consumer is starting to form habits. So you don't necessarily need to be first, but if you think about it, like look at the winner of mobile. A lot of people think of the winner of mobile. They say, oh, well, geez, it's got to be Apple and Android and maybe Samsung because they think about it from a device standpoint or they think about the OS. But Facebook clearly was a winner of mobile. And Facebook already had a huge footprint on the web for social. But when it went to mobile and it went pretty early, people say, oh, they were late to mobile. They weren't really. They were early enough. And then they brought in some other capabilities like Instagram through acquisition. They were there in order, at the time, people were starting to form habits. And the rise in mobile is in part the the rise of Facebook and vice versa. And there's a significant advantage there. And then there were advantages to many businesses who learned to take advantage of that at that time in terms of mobile and build big audiences and use that as an advantage to this day. So if you look at voice, we see some of the same things. If you're able to be out there and you're able to learn early, you're able to adjust quickly, and you're able to get into that habit formation cycle, you, you have a chance of having an outsized impact for a long time to come. Now, in one of your recent reports, you stated that only 26.5% of leading brands that were analyzed have some sort of voice application for Alexa, 21.5% have one for Google Assistant, and about 15% have a presence on both platforms. And with voice search rising, it seems third-party sites such as Wikipedia and Yelp are defining the information consumers are hearing about brands right now. Why is it that Wikipedia and Yelp are coming up first? And what should businesses do so that the information from these sites showcases them best? 
Well, it's a two-sided problem. So first and foremost, we have this issue of how the voice assistant providers, and then we're talking about the general consumer voice assistants like Alexa and Google and Siri. The question is, how are they responding to queries? And one of the reasons they're defaulting to Wikipedia and Yelp is because it's a consistent experience. They know the data source. And the downside risk of them being missing a question or getting something egregiously wrong is pretty low if they do that. What you may have seen is that Google previously was sourcing from many more. It still sources from many more places for information than, than the other voice assistants. But it was actually going more direct to, let's say, Google Assistant Actions, the, the, the voice apps on Google. And it's pulled back from that. And it's not clear to me why they've done that, although I think it has something to do with the quality of some of the Google Actions that they're delivering users to, and they're trying to have a more consistent experience. So there's one thing around this idea of what the voice assistants are doing. And right now, they're just trying to cover their bases. And they're trying to figure out the best way to deliver consumers to the best content to answer their question. The other thing that they have this problem with is, let's say one in five of the brands that they get queries on a regular basis have a good consumer voice experience or have something, right, in terms of voice interactivity. That means that they can only go direct to a brand to answer a question one in five times. But some of those aren't actually very good implementations. So if they're really worried about the user experience on, let's say, Google Assistant or on Alexa, then it might be like one in 10 or one in 20 times that that's the right answer for them. And so what needs to happen is that the platforms need to figure out a better way to assess the quality of the voice experiences being developed by brands and then to get the user queries to those so that you have that good user experience conversational, which is far richer and better than what you're going to get from Wikipedia or Yelp. And at the same time, we need to have the brands and other organizations develop better content and better voice experiences that actually are designed to address what the user is looking for at any given time. And, and this is essential for the brands. So first of all, the 20 plus percent that have some sort of presence, they need to be there because if they miss that moment, that moment when the consumer asks about their brand or their product category, then they've lost it forever. And what happens during that time is if they're asking about, let's say, your brand, Red Bull, and something else comes up, something else is defining how that consumer is getting information, what they're getting and, and how that's shaped. And it's shaping their perception of your brand. So you want to have a chance in order to be able to engage in that conversation and shape the answer, whether it's about your brand or about your category. And in some cases, what we find is that a competitor might be defining your brand as well in terms of how they're answering a question if the query goes to them. And so there's a lot of risk here for brands right now to be left out of these voice searches. People call them conversations. But this consumer seeking of information around products and brands, the brands and their messaging may be completely left out and they may be completely relying on third parties unless they actually commit to this space. Now, what are some tips then that a brand can use to create an audio SEO for smart speakers? Well, there's several things that work today, and then there's some things that are going to work over time. So first and foremost, since Wikipedia is so important for all of the different services, right? So it's not just Google, but it's Alexa, it's Siri, it's even Samsung Bixby. It's really important for them to have an accurate representation of their brand on Wikipedia. 
because for certain types of questions, Wikipedia is going to be the most popular. And that's going to be a near-term solution. The other is things that are essentially like how to buy or where to go. Yelp is definitely a really popular source. There's others like Yext and some other data sources that are being used as well. But Yelp is definitely important. And then Google Places is also essential in the Google ecosystem. So those are some things they can do today. The other thing is that they're a retailer. There's basically a Google search inventory a tag that they can put on, which they can actually expose what's available in their store to Google. That's actually really powerful if you're a retailer or seller of products that when people ask about where they can buy something, Google will tell them, here's the store, here's what they have, and here's the price. So this price availability location, and it'll give it to you by distance from your home. So that's like a little hack that the very few retailers are actually using today, but the ones who are, you know, it's potentially a significant benefit. And then I would say there's some longer term things that are just probably more important that they need to focus on, but they're slightly heavier lift. So first of all, they need a presence. So they need to have some sort of voice interactivity. And that voice interactive engagement needs to be thoughtful. And I mean thoughtful from the idea that they need to think about the types of questions that consumers are asking in search in general, but a voice assistance in particular, and how they can position themselves to provide a good answer to that. They may also and probably should have these more interactive and maybe novel experiences through voice, and that's a good idea, but they should also be able to answer the questions. Those might be two voice apps or it might be one together. Oftentimes, it's better to have two voice apps, one to answer questions, one for your novel experience, but they need to think about that from a voice strategy standpoint to have that there. And then there's some technical things you can do when you're on Google. You've these things called implicit invocations, which can help surface your Google action if someone asks about a topic that's related to what you can do. In the Alexa world, that's called nameless invocation or can fulfill intent request. What those are is those are essentially meta tags that the voice assistants look at to say, oh, these are the types of questions that this voice app can answer. So then I can be confident that if this question is asked by a consumer, I could deliver them to these voice apps and they'll have a good experience. So those are a few different things they can do. Some near-term things they can do about these third-party data sources, uh, having a voice presence and this idea of maybe novel experience, but definitely being able to answer questions and then lining themselves up for these voice SEO tags that the platforms are providing. What if there is a company that doesn't have a physical location should they still be creating a Yelp page or is that just kind of a missed opportunity for them? Well, you have to think about the types of questions that are going to Yelp. Most of them are going to be location-oriented. So that's probably going to be a lower impact solution for them. There are a number of other resources out there, information databases, essentially, that can answer that. So Wikipedia is one, so we know that. But if you have something that's more around products, there are several that, and we have those listed in a report. Now, I should just say, this voice SEO report that you're mentioning, it's free. Anyone can download it, voicebot.ai forward slash research. And then you'll see a bunch of reports. You can just download that. And there's a few other data sources we mentioned in there that people can try to optimize around. But most importantly, they're going to need to have their own voice presence that's going to enable them to you know, control the message, engage with consumers, you know, drive awareness in the way that they want to be positioned. Now, you just gave the website for the research, which you do a ton of different reports, but is there any other place that people should go to to connect with you or your organization? 
Sure. So a few different things. So you've got people listening today. They're probably podcast listeners. The VoicePod podcast, uh, we just did a research with MoDev and found that it was the most popular podcast in the voice industry space. So you can find that in Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts. VoicePod podcast is a great place to get really in-depth, hour-long interviews with innovators, people making a difference in the space. You can also um, look at Voice Insider, which is a weekly newsletter we have, which is sort of that inside information. There's some rumors in there, but it's a lot of thought pieces and data that's not shared elsewhere. And so that's voicebot.ai forward slash insider. And you can find me on the Twitter at Brett Kinsella. So that's where I engage on a daily basis with people. Perfect. And the last question I have for you is why does voice matter to you? First and foremost, I've always been interested in the new technology platforms shifts. So from that perspective, it's just interesting to me because what we're seeing is over the next couple of years, we're going to see a remaking of the technology industry, how we access digital content. If I go a little bit deeper, though, what I really see this is the front end of a super cycle. So every 10 years or so, we see these voice interfaces changes, and that'll be in voices a couple of years into that. And so it's starting to not replace, but supplement the other things that we have, like mobile and web, and those types of things. But the super cycle we talk about is the platform, which is AI. And that's really what voice rides on. It's dependent on, but it's also a, a client of AI technologies. And some of the things that we're doing around AI, and you can actually see the front end of, you know, are really going to change the way that we not only interact with information and technology, but the way we live our lives. And I think that's really fascinating. And then the last thing I would say is that people misunderstand how fundamental this change is. And some of the people may have heard that up to this point, we've always had to adjust our behaviors so computers could understand us. And now with voice, the technology is there so that the computers can adjust their behavior to understand us. And that's a profound change, this idea that they can understand us and it can adjust to us. And it's not just that it can understand our voice, but it can understand our voice while we're walking through a room. We don't have to be actively engaged in it. We can be passively engaged with it. These are going to be really significant transformations and the types of things that Maybe we saw growing up watching Star Trek or, or Star Wars or some of these other science fiction or Space Odyssey 2001, for people who know that older movie. We're going to start seeing some of these changes. And you know, I think it's really exciting anytime that you're going to give humans a new capability, allow them to live their lives differently and hopefully more productively. I love it. Thank you so much, Brett. And I look forward to seeing new reports and all the great things you continue to do for the voice technology space. Thanks, Carrie. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week. Mm-hmm.